Two Dead Girls and Jubilee contains material that may be upsetting to some audiences, including sudden loud noises, adult language, and depictions of murder and suicide. For more information, please find us on Instagram at Two Dead Girls Pod. That's the number two Dead Girls Pod. Order up. July 25th, 1997. It's been six days since Annabelle was murdered. Four since the impotent flashbang of legal hope that was Mr. Alan Whitmayer. At Ma's insistence, I'm holed up beneath the cash register at Ernie's Diner. I have a book, Lois Lowry, The Giver, and two instructions. Keep quiet, stay out of the way. There is no third instruction, or, in other words... No ban on eavesdropping. Hey, Ernie. Sorry. Brenda, please. Brenda. Take the week. We need the money for Ed's lawyer. I'll mail the usual check. I appreciate that. But I make more in a week off tips than you pay me in a month. I need to be here. Well... You can't leave Myra behind the counter. I can't leave her home. Not with a killer on the loose. Let's talk out back. Now, hang on. You you don't think that... Brenda, please. Out back. I got it, I got it. Madhouse today. They ain't here for lunch. Most of them just hoping for a gawk at Mrs. A. Horrible business, isn't it? The two voices are so close they must be leaning on the counter above me. The man is a stranger. But the breezy soprano of the woman is unmistakable. Sue Kaplan. Mother of the as-yet-unmurdered Jessie. My neighbor knows Davy Hightower. The junior sheriff says Mr. A cut the kitty up with a knife. Cut her up so bad they could hardly recognize her. It's hard to imagine Ed being capable of that. You know him. I figured y'all were separate circles. I come in here with the book club, ladies. Sometimes Brenda waits on us. And Ed worked for my husband a year. 93 when the corn froze. He's a strange one, isn't he? Seems like... uh, A guy who's got a secret. (laughs) Well, had a secret. I guess. I I don't know. It's the other girl that worries me, Myra. How how you ever trust anyone after your pop does a thing like that? After you lose your sister like that, it's horribly unlucky. I don't know. It's not my place to judge, but... Go on. They ran over their heads. Ed without farm, not a single farming bone in his body. Brenda working full time and Myra running wild. It's no secret they were broke. And that was even before Annie was born. I'm not saying it was bound to happen or anything, far from it, but that pressure on a man who's clearly unstable. I think they're lucky, Myra and Brenda. 
Lucky he didn't kill the lot of them. Excuse me? Brenda, I... I didn't... I didn't... Come on, Brenda, please. I mean it, Ernie. You think I'm a spectacle? I'll give you a spectacle. I quit. Myra. Look at me. Stop. Stop. Don't pay any attention to them. Dry those tears. If you cry, they win. We're not gonna let them win. Tonight's top story, a deadly storm, a missing girl, and in Jubilee, Indiana, a homicide investigation. Annabelle was this beautiful, innocent little girl. Well, beautiful is a stretch. Hang, hang on, are you recording this? We're learning a second girl, Jessica Kaplan, has been found dead in the There's no wiggle room for gut instincts. And anyway, this wasn't anything concrete, just a confluence of coincidences. Conspiracy. That's what I say. Goddamn conspiracy. 33% of murders in this country are never solved. Any reasonable person can see This here is a small town. Them girls was killed by a grass cutting him singing Jubilaner. That's why he ain't been stopped. <laughs> of Jesse Kaplan could have been stopped. Except nobody cared about Annie. Nobody did nothing until a second girl died. Be careful, Myra. Jubilee is watching. This is Two Dead Girls in Jubilee. Chapter 4. If you cry, they win. I'm on my way home from the Jenkins Pharmacy, having struck out looking for a mostly retired person of interest. Berto's on the phone. I got sidetracked and didn't message him after Liam pulled me over. He's been... worried. Worried? You, you don't show up, you don't text, you don't answer. I, I thought you'd been murdered. That's a little extreme. You kids are clicky, clicky, clicky on those cell phones right up until something genuinely important hey, comes up and then- Hey! I'm sorry. I really am. And I've got a plan to make it up to you. Okay. I want you to help me finish Pa's investigation. I'm, I'm a bit confused. I need your expertise. It's a puzzle. You love puzzles. Research, records analysis. Uh, insurance records analysis. I'm not the kid hacker on your CSI team. <laughs> Do you remember Houston Mutual? Only in my nightmares. Myra, listen. Two weeks after Harvey, 10,000 flood policies, no electronic backups. I pulled the paper files out of a half-submerged building. You helped a lot of families with that move. We helped a lot of families. Because you cross-referenced the scans and rebuilt their database. Myra. Just think of Pa's notes as paper policies. There weren't any coded messages in Houston Mutual. There weren't any serial killers in those boxes. And anyway, that's not why I'm confused. Why do you suddenly want to go through with this? The last time I talked to you, you said the tape was a delusional suicide note. You wanted nothing to do with it. I changed my mind. Come on, Myra. If you don't want to talk to me, fine. But you have to talk to somebody.
For a long time, I convinced myself that the person who killed Annie couldn't be caught. It's partly because I'd seen a lot of people try and fail, but it's also because it hurts to keep hoping. And I didn't want to hurt anymore. I'm not conceding that anybody pushed anybody into a hay baler. I think I'm just trying to say, you were right. I'm done running away. The sheriff found something, didn't he? How'd you know? You never listened to me. <laughs> so you'll help? Well, I do love a good puzzle. <laughs> good. I'm sending digital copies of everything we have. I already drafted the email. Okay. Anything else? Yeah, but you're not gonna like it. I've got concerns about Liam, the sheriff. I was hoping you could pretend he applied for assistance. You want me to run a background check? No one will notice. Uh, that's not... Uh, you sure you aren't just searching for reasons to push him away? Shit! What the hell? I barely avoid clipping a junker station wagon. It stopped half on the lawn of the statue park and half on the road. It's missing a side mirror, and the paint is rusting out of deep gouges down the left panel. I cast about for the idiot owner and spot a man in a shabby black coat. Myra, are you all right? He's vandalizing the statues. Who is? What statues? Hey! Leave them alone! Mara. Oscar? I, I thought... Oh, I'm such an idiot. Are, are you okay? I'm no doctor, but I think I'll live. The man in the black coat is Pa's old hunting buddy, Oscar Stillwell. Turns out he's volunteer groundskeeper for the statue park. A job which includes, today, chipping sun-baked bird shit off my dead sister's face. Oscar, he's a bit of a weirdo. A loner. Lived his whole life in his late mother's mobile home. He's the butt of a lot of jokes in Jubilee. Pa could be a pretty solitary guy, but he detested bullying. And he was always kind to Oscar. They were friends until Annie... I didn't see him much after that. Was that you? Outside the wake? Hmm. Couldn't make myself go in. Heard some quotes from the eulogy, though. Mm. God. I'm surprised you're still here. Before this week, I was beginning to think your disappearing act was permanent. You disappeared yourself, you know. You just didn't move away to do it. Something we have in common, I guess. Losing touch with your pop. Yeah. I guess so. Planning on staying? Just to help Ma a bit. I was coming back from the Jenkins Pharmacy. Quincy Magoo's. Uh, sorry? Mr. Magoo? The blind detective? You're too young. <laughs> was a joke your pop used on account of both Annie and Jesse vanishing under Tim's nose. 
I guess nobody laughs at that one. You know how your pop was. <laughs> Sometimes I'm not sure I do. Well, he was a private man. There were things about Ed. Maybe it would have been different once you girls were grown. Things he would have said that he never did. What does that mean? Myra Abernathy, how is your mother? Darla Dinwiddie. A classic Jubilee nosy Nelly. I turn for help, but Oscar's already halfway to his car. His reflexes are more attuned to small town life than mine. <sighs> yeah, um, we're okay. Oh, good. I saw Oscar. I came to rescue you. I actually have to run, Mrs. Dinwiddie. I'm sorry. I have ice cream in my trunk. Tell Brenda I sent my condolences. Oscar? Oscar. What did you mean back there about Pa? Probably nothing you haven't already guessed. Hang on, Oscar. You watch yourself, Myra. Small town. Somebody's always listening. Since his side mirror is gone, he sticks his head out to check for traffic. Before I can parse his last words, he drives off over the hill, back into the haze of the past. My eyes drift back to the statue of Annabelle. Her softening features, I realize, are the cumulative effect of a decade-long cycle. Bird shit, vigorous scrubbing, bird shit. There's a certain irony that this attempt to preserve contributes just as surely to destruction. Annabelle and Jesse exist in sharp-edged focus, as they did in life, only inside people that remember. And even that is fleeting, because time, eventually, scrubs even the memories into a hazy parade of shapes and colors, the way the world looks to good old Quincy Magoo. That is when intuition strikes. Everyone ready? Ready. 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 And impressed. I, I would never have figured this out. I think of Liam pulling me over, pretending he hasn't already connected Donnelly's alibi to the lyrics of Johnny Law, but I bite my tongue. Berto made quick work of Tim Jenkins, codename Quincy Magoo. The fictional character appears in the name column of Pa's alibi grid, sandwiched alphabetically between Bert Ludlow and Harry McDougal. In the next column, to the right, where Pa has listed and confirmed the alibis of hundreds of Jubileeners, the entry for Magoo is decidedly cryptic. On the stormy afternoon of Annie's disappearance, Pa writes Magoo was heading back from somewhere that he should have never been. It's a cut from the first verse of a Garth Brooks song, The Thunder Rolls. Another favorite of Pa's. Tim. Well, Ed Abernathy. 
Ah, Brenda finally saddled you with some shopping, I see. Were you robbed the day Annie was killed? You don't think I did it, do you? You must realize I'm not the type. We're talking about a cold-blooded child killer in a town of 200. He'd be rotting in jail if he seemed like the type. Yes or no? I guess you'd have to say yes. Although that may not in the end be the technical term. After your girls left, I closed up for 15 minutes like I usually do to get lunch. When I came back, this place was upside down. Hello? I'm doing a few loads of laundry. Want me to wash your things? Ma, no. I told you not to call unless it was important. I'm busy. Busy? At Lames? Don't. What? There's... There's nothing going on between us. I just needed some work stuff, and his internet doesn't use a dial-up modem. Which, by the way, I didn't even realize was still a thing. No need to get defensive. I'm not... Just remember, Jubilee is a small town. So... I'm gonna hear it six ways to Sunday if the only Prius in the county is parked half the night out in front of our bachelor sheriffs. Okay. 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 And whatever you're doing, or not doing, I just hope you take that girl into account. She reminds me of Annabelle. I've gotta go, Ma. She has your number now. Yeah. Big mistake. Everything okay? Yeah. Now I do better with my mom when she's 500 miles away. I don't want to talk about it. No. Got it. After Annabelle, Pa withdrew. Sulking and stewing, using his grief as a fortress. Ma went out. Suing and lobbying and advocating, using her grief as a weapon. But for me, the result was the same. And she wasn't around when you needed her. You resent that. I guess. But she's trying now, and you resent that too. I just feel... strung along. And I resent feeling like that. I understand. Do you? Hungry? I made ants on a log. Uh, what are ants on a log? Celery, peanut butter, and raisins. Those are the ants. But you can skip the celery and eat the rest with a spoon. Then it's ants in a bog. What does that mean? Not technically a robbery. Uh, I was missing some odd change out of the till. But there didn't seem to be any losses, you know, in terms of merchandise. You didn't call the sheriff? Well, no, I, I didn't You didn't think... even mention it when he showed up at your door. You kept him out in the I rain. I was scared, okay? I was underwater and alone. I was scared to report it. Who, who wrote the loan? The mob? No, nothing like that. Then I don't get it. I have a history. I... Burned down one of Daddy's grain silos for the insurance money. 
There was no forced lock, no smashed window. I felt I couldn't report what happened unless I could prove this was different. So you just let him off? Oh, for Christ's sakes, Ed. By morning, Donnelly was trying to solve a murder. I wasn't going to call the four-man sheriff's department to complain about small bills and literal spilt milk. Never stopped to consider the two could have been connected? Now, I know you object to this sort of logic, but he wasn't the type. You know who did it. Uh, yeah. Well? Ronnie Newsom. Ronnie Nuisance, I call him. Now, hang on. That's what I'm talking about. You can't possibly think... Why not? His Graham's a saint. And can you even begin to imagine that boy keeping his mouth I'm shut? I'm not sure it's a matter of imagination. But I'll say this much. It's one hell of a confluence of coincidence. Do we know anything offhand about this Ronnie Newsom? He wasn't much older than me. His parents died young. Plane crash? Something horrific. He was raised by his grandma, Mrs. Newsom. Annie's and my piano teacher. Hang on. He knew Annie personally? I guess. A little. And he was a known troublemaker. Mrs. Newsom was constantly on him about small-time stuff. Graffiti, trespassing. Why is Jenkins so skeptical? He seems like a great fit. I guess it hangs on Ronnie not being able to keep his mouth shut. He didn't talk about the pharmacy. He's an accused criminal. He was in the vicinity of Annabelle's disappearance. The way he trashed the pharmacy, I, I gotta say, that sounds a lot like what happened at Ed's workshop. And, and now you're telling me that Ed got killed just we as he was- We don't know it got him killed. Myra. We don't know. Fine, we don't know. But if we're gonna follow the tapes, then part of that equation is recognizing the possibility that your dad, that he was right. And if he was, we have to be very careful. We need a third alibi list. Yeah. Yeah, Ed was looking for somebody with no alibi for Annabelle or Jesse. But we have a third data point. We have him. Uh, yeah. That's what I just said. Erdo, thoughts? Well, can't go wrong with more data. I can check on Tim, but I don't know where to start with Ronnie. He hasn't set foot in Jubilee as long as I've been here. Longer. Since 98 or 99. I can run a background check, Sheriff, if you don't want that on your books. Uh, not really. We're flying kind of low to the ground. Myra? Are you okay? Yeah. Yeah, all that sounds... Yeah. Good. Um, uh, one more thing. Can you take me off speaker? It's not about the case. All right, little lady. What's up? I'm sending the other background check on Liam. And? Myra, I, um... You told me so? You want some unsolicited advice? Whatever's bothering you, just ask him. Hey! Hey! You leaving? Yeah. I got a few beers if you want to hang around. We don't have to talk about the case. 
Or we could talk about the case. Whatever. I've got Ma breathing down my neck. I want to get home. Okay. Of course. Yeah. If there's anything I, uh... I know you've been through a lot. I know being here in this place is a lot. And if you ever need to get something off your chest or... I'm here. You solved Johnny Law before you came after me. Didn't you? I, uh... I googled it. But I don't know this town. And I don't know your father. I, I needed you to come back. Why didn't you just say that? Would you? Uh, what? Come back? Would you have come back? Without doing it yourself. Without it being yours. I don't know. But I deserve the chance to choose. I told you, I don't like being strung along. Hey, you know what I was thinking? It's kind of strange, isn't it? The killings just stopped. I can't do this right now. People that are capable of something like this, they're monsters. They're, they aren't satiated. They just kill and kill and kill until they get caught or die. And? You said Ronnie Newsom disappeared in 98, 99. As far as I know, there hasn't been a girl killed within a hundred miles since. Doesn't prove anything. I should have been up front with you about Johnny Law. I was excited about the case. I, w I was afraid you would turn me down. But I didn't mean to cause any harm. If we're going to keep doing this, we... We have to be honest with each other. There are already too many secrets in Jubilee. Okay. No more secrets. Okay. And since we're being honest, there's another reason I needed you back. What's that? If your dad's right, you know, there's a child killer in our midst. Dad! I need help with my fractions! Yeah, I'm coming. I can't take any chances. Two Dead Girls in Jubilee was written, directed, and produced by Ethan Wellen. It stars Emily Goss as Myra, Zachary Cantrell as Liam, Susan Harmon as Brenda, Michael McShane as Ed, Marcelo Tubert as Berto, John Ali as Oscar, Haley Kewen as Maisie, Kitty Swink as Sue, Don Green as Mr. Jenkins, Paul Stanko as Man at Diner. Original score by Kevin Hutchins. Associate producer, Emily Goss. Associate producer, Zachary Cantrell. One Eye Open was written and recorded by Andrea Perez and Peyton Widener. Don't 
Thanks to Kat, Ron, the Evans, Monisha, Jack, David, and Tyler, without whom there could be no Jubilee. If you enjoyed listening, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts or tell a friend. For cast bios, episode transcripts, and more, find our little town on Instagram at Two Dead Girls Pod. That's at the number two Dead Girls Pod. Thanks. Two Dead Girls in Jubilee is a work of fiction. Any resemblance to real events or to persons living or dead is purely coincidental.